I don't make bags just to make bike bags. Like I like biking. I like going out and riding my bike and going on camping trips and doing all that stuff. The cool thing about the shop is I'm able to integrate that together. something you're passionate about into something that will pay your bills you get to do what you love or maybe you've always wanted to work with your sibling well today's guest is going to tell us his story and what it's like owning a cycling retail store in atlanta georgia that he started with his brother What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Ez Hassan, the co-owner at the Spindle ATL. My name is Ez, uh, and my background is, uh, well, I was born in the States, but my family's from Egypt, so we're first generation to to live here, but we moved in, I was born in New Orleans, and then we moved here when I was five, so I've lived in Atlanta for 35 years now, so So I'm basically from Atlanta. What brought your parents here? Uh, Work, and my mom didn't like hurricanes, so. Okay. Yeah, because she was from Yemen. And my dad's Egyptian, so they came over here, and I think it was, yeah, you know, culture and all that. Well, my dad was born in Chicago, and because my grandfather was, uh, he would travel and teach. He was a mechanical engineer, but he taught mostly in Cairo, but would do these residencies around the United States, like he did in Chicago, Georgia Tech, and uh, Tulane. And then well, I think while he was doing it at Georgia Tech, my dad was going there. So then he got a job in New Orleans, went back to Egypt for a little bit, and then met my mom, and then they just came back. Ez started working at a young age and thrived off the fact that people would pay him to do a job. He worked various jobs, such as those in restaurants or concert venues, But he did understand that culturally, there was something significant about having a college degree. So when the time came, he attended Kennesaw State University in Georgia, where he majored in communications. After college, he then started working in the logistics field. I I just liked work. I was like, I mean, when I started working at 14, I'm like, okay, so these guys are going to give me money. And I'm like, why do I even need to go to school? It makes no sense. But I mean, I also think we have a weird system where we only, you know, only the good jobs come with that piece of paper, but it doesn't matter what you do on that piece of paper. Like that doesn't really make that much sense. Now, you know, colleges like Georgia Tech, you know, they should exist. There's a lot of people that I know that aren't doing what their major was, you know? Yeah. And I think... I think that alone shows what could be wrong with that system. And especially the whole like getting into debt over it. Um, Definitely not worth it. I was very lucky. You know, my dad made me a deal that, you know, and 
I was always in state, so college was pretty reasonable. But you know, he was like, "You pay for the rest of your stuff, I'll pay for your college." And I was very lucky to have that because I know a lot of people aren't. Mm-hmm. But um, but it also, at the end of the day, I don't feel like it in advanced me into something else because I was always way more focused on working when I left college than I was when I was in actual college so I never I think the first three years out of high school yeah because I was going to party in and like you know going to concerts a lot and like doing all that stuff but I think when I started going to Kennesaw I was like more focused on really getting the hell out of there because I, I actually really liked Kennesaw but I, I just didn't like school. Mm-hmm. And I don't think school is for everybody. Logistics, which is what I did basically for 10 years after that. Okay. So I was doing global logistics sales and then um, brokerage sales, which is just like, you know, throughout the United States. And then I sold big rig trucks the last like four years. working as a messenger. His brother was tearing through bike codes and after purchasing as a bike too, he found he had the same issue. So while working for a big rig logistics company, he and his brother worked on getting the spindle up and running with the mission to find good quality durable products made in the USA. stuff changes you just have to look at what's selling and what's not right because in the business sense it's like you can hold on to the core values of what started the shop but you can do different stuff like we didn't sell bikes at first but now we do and now we make bags i mean we've been making bags i don't make bags just to make bike bags like i like biking i like going out and riding my bike and Mm -hmm going on camping trips and doing all that stuff. The cool thing about the shop is I'm able to integrate that together. So we're taking people in like two weeks to go camping at Panola Mountain. So there's a lot of cool things that you could do to like integrate your own business with your hobbies and stuff like that if that's what you're interested in. You know, trying to find that time to do it when you have a business is not easy. You know what I mean? Especially when you have kids. I got two kids too, so, and a wife. So I got to... How's that with running this business? Oh, it's hard as hell. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I, one of my parents' friends told me, I think I was like 30, and he was like, you need to start a business now before you get married and have kids. And then that's like all I did was start up business when I got married. <laughs> and like, I think my son was born short the year that we started it. And, and then when we moved, my daughter was born. It's, it's kind of a shit show. Impeccable timing. Yeah, I mean, those, those nights that I would stay up until like 3 in the morning sewing, I'd be waking up at like 6.30 to get them ready for school and like take them to daycare or like whatever, you know what I mean? I mean, they're not old kids. They're like 5 and 2, so 
So it's not too bad, but mm-hmm. you still got to wake up and not, and do that part of your life too, you know? That, it, I mean, it is really hard to balance that stuff. But if you want to do it, like, I like being a dad. So it's pretty easy for me to, like, go back home. I like, I love my wife very much. So, it's, again, it's easy to go back home and, like, not feel like I'm missing out on something, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll be 40 this year, and I don't really feel like I'm, like, I have no midlife crisis thing going on. About a year and a half after the formation of the spindle, Ez was laid off from his job at the big rig company and decided to go all in. Over the last six and a half years, the company has grown tremendously. So what is it about like bikes? Like, why do you like biking and bikes so much? Well, it just makes sense, right? Like, um, I mean, really you can discover all places all over the world way cooler on bikes. You know what I mean? People always go to this one specific city and then hang out in that city for a week. You know what I mean? And just do the things in that city when, you know, you could be, you know, just get a bike and ride, ride it like that way. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's a book by David Byrne, uh, lead singer of the talking heads. And he takes a, um, folding bike with him all the time. It's smart. It's good for you. You know, riding your bike all around. I mean, it's the only way that I probably haven't had a heart attack. I'm still like going on more and more trips. I'm still learning how to get better at, you know bike packing and bike touring and stuff like that because that's what I want to get better at. I want I as I grow older, I don't want my body to feel like too much garbage afterwards. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I want to be able to like heal quickly more than somebody who's like, you know, basically going out every weekend and drinking. So I decided to ask a friend what came to mind or what they thought of when they heard the spindle. They knew it was a business, but they didn't quite know like what the product was or anything like that. And then compare it to, and the next clip will be, I ask Ez to describe in 30 to 60 seconds what the spindle is. So from his point of view as the quote-unquote bro owner, co-founder of the spindle, what it is. If he were to describe it to somebody on the street. The spindle? Um... <laughs> the first thing I think of is like sewing. I have no idea. Something in Atlanta. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just say that I own a cool little shop and I make bags and I do cool bike stuff. Okay. And we sling some coffee and beer every once in a while too. <laughs> I ask a friend what they think an average day in the life of Ez would be like, knowing that he owns the spindle and what the spindle does and then i compare it to in the next clip what as says an average day is like for him well since you just told me what the actual <laughs> what the spindle company actually does um i would say like the ceo like the head he's the bro owner owner okay um i would say not design, because he would have a separate person for that. Um, maybe just, yeah, like making sure it, um, like the products are like functioning properly and like um, numbers and all that. I don't know. Well, right now with the new pop-up coming in, I'm kind of helping them out a little bit, but more or less, I'll just like wake up, you know, um, fortunately and uh, get the kids ready to go to school and stuff like that and then head to the shop 
and then I make bags. I just sit down and make bags. Somebody, you know, again, before this new pop-up came in, but they'll be able to, like, stabilize things a little bit where I can focus on stuff so I don't have to, like, get up and make coffees for everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, yeah, I just sit down and make bags. And you're done at what time? Just depends on the day. Sometimes I'm done at 3 o'clock. I mean, to pick up the kids, you know. When Ez decided he wanted to make bags, he knew he needed to learn to sew. Bags don't make themselves, so he began the task of learning to sew. Turns out, he loves it. He finds it calming. The first year of the shop that's in Old Fourth Ward, I mean, I, I was at the shop until like 2 or 3 in the morning making bags. Just to like, get custom bags out get stuff on the shelves and catch up with demand and do all that stuff. Cause I was only, I was by myself. So I was only, I was, you know, my brother was doing other things with the shop, but I was the only one that would sell. And I was the only one that would cut and do all that stuff. So, you know, all the things that go into sewing a bag is like what I do. Even now, years later, he still sews every bag that is sold from the spindle. Thankfully, he has an employee who can sometimes build the foundations up to a certain point for him to save him some time. And then all he has to do is work on the more intricate custom parts of the bags. The bags can take anywhere from 45 minutes to 4 or 5 hours to do, depending on the design and the amount of customization. I mean, I'm not going to get better if I don't make bags. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to do. I want to get better at making bags. I like making bags. It's cool to sew. That's the cool thing about sewing is like, you can always fix your mistakes, mm -hmm. you know, unless you make a huge hole or something like that. I think the people that are hardest on you are the people that you need to hold close. You know what I mean? Because if people are just telling you that you're doing good all the time, then you're really not learning anything, you know? A lot of times with like seeing customers bags and I'm like, hey, that looks like it kind of doesn't fit properly or didn't do whatever and they're like yeah you know it's just like a thing but it's like whatever I can fit this thing in it to alleviate this and I'm like no I'll make you a new one so that's what I usually do is you know it it's money out of my pocket but I don't know again he's going to ride around or he or she's going to ride around and they're going to tell people that oh this bag's great but this thing is I wish it didn't there's a catch know. yeah yeah I don't want people saying that you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's, you know, I have people that'll bring in like the first bags that I make and I, that I made and I don't even know how they gave me money for those. Do bags. they make you cringe a little bit when you see them? They do, but then I'm thankful for them, right? Yeah. Because they're still working, right? They're still using them. Mm -hmm. They're not torn apart. And, um, if I'm, and most of them, I, I, all I have to do is fix the zipper on it and I don't make zippers. So that's cool. Ed shares what he has learned from being a small business owner and the view outsiders tend to have about it. Apparently, it's not always glamorous. It's hard. You have to be willing to struggle, but it does pay off. And being able to adapt your interests to something that pays you money is the key. If you can do that, you're winning. Then you truly get to do what you love. And as you find new interests, there is a beauty in being able to adapt your source of income to these said interests. And it's interesting how people view owning a small business. They're like, just immediately think you have all this money. I just don't get it. But, 
but that's I think that's what people think. I mean, that's people are pro, they're like, oh, it should be a problem. You got your own shop. I'm like, dude, what are you even talking about? It's tough. Is making. that really a stigma? Oh yeah, really for sure. Yeah, huh. struggling sucks. I mean, I don't. It's not for everybody. You know what I mean? But it also is something that if I can learn how to struggle a little bit less each way, you know, each month and make sure that I'm learning from when I was struggling a little bit worse. That's what scares people too, is they don't, sometimes they don't want to shift and pivot. Like even with the shop, it's like I had to shift and pivot to like keep on doing what I wanted to do. And I think a lot of people are scared of that, you know, even you know, whenever the economy's down, they'll always use that phrase, oh, but the economy's down, how are you gonna look for a job? I'm like, I'm just gonna ask. I'm not quitting this job and then going to look for a job, but I'm going to look for a job while I have a job. I think so. that's something that everybody should do. Until they find a job that they like, they should just keep on quitting those other jobs. But look while they have those jobs. I think that was the, that's the coolest thing, is like the shop has moved with my interests. You know, I just started getting into fixing up old vintage bikes and, and I found that they make great, you know, city bikes and touring bikes. And there's no reason that those bikes shouldn't be used. I think, I think having kids to kind of does something to you about like not wanting to buy so much new shit yeah. that's going to get thrown away later. You know what I mean? Thanks. Not to say that bikes are like that. A lot of people are. But what I found even with these um, vintage bikes is... You know, people buy bikes and just hang them up in their basement. At the time, that was like twelve, thirteen hundred bucks that we're selling for. Like, you know, we'll revamp it and sell anywhere between three fifty and six fifty or seven hundred mm -hmm. bucks, or even more than that if they want to go crazy. You know what I mean? I really like the fact that I make stuff that people use. Right? Like, you know, food is great. Like. We have a cafe in the back of the shop and people eat food and like all that stuff. Food is food. You mm -hmm. gotta have it, you know, whatever. But people don't have to own my bags, you know what I mean? And I think that's the best part about it is having somebody come into the shop and like either buy whatever bag that we have on the shelves or, you know, do a custom one or talk about custom stuff. Or It's cool to talk you know, you can talk a lot longer about stuff that you're very interested in, mm -hmm. you know, so people will stay in the shop for like an hour talking about a bag that really I only need 10 minutes to frame <laughs> out, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just interesting to get to know what people are wanting and what they're trying to do with the bags and, you know, if they're just trying to commute every day or they're trying to go on a, you know, a big trip or something like that. So that I think that's my main thing is just trying to make the most useful bag that I can you know mm -hmm. so I don't want anybody being like well I don't really use that one that much you know what I mean because then that's pointless than yeah. they spent money on something that they don't use mm -hmm. but um, having those other you know just regular bags that we sell through the shop are just based on sales like if they didn't sell I probably wouldn't keep them around you know what I mean mm -hmm. so I have, probably have about four or five different bags just on regular rotation you just have to find what you like doing and something that brings you joy. And if you can turn that into money, that's another hard thing is like doing that stuff is trying to turn something that you really like doing into like something that you can live off of. If you had a book written about you, what would the title be? Oh, I don't know about that question. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. 
doing bikes? Or no, I'll probably just that? be stubborn or something like that. <laughs> just stubborn, straight to the point? Yeah, I mean, the, you have to have a certain element of that to believe in what you're doing. You know what I mean? No matter what numbers look like and all that stuff, because, you know, you look at all, like, whoever you look towards inspiration, they'll always talk about how they were, like, at the bottom of the barrel before something opened up and then would childhood you be happy with where you are and what you're doing oh yeah 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 for sure as far as like where my mindset has changed from when i was you know even in my 20s to now yeah i think i'd be pretty happy with myself yeah uh, um the second is um if you had 24 hours to live unlimited money and could travel anywhere at snap of your fingers what would you do? Well, I don't know. That's a tough one just because then I'd be leaving my family for you 24 can hours. Yeah, but then I also want to like ride bikes, which means that they'd have to do that if they, you know, but I'm sure they would if they knew that. I don't know. I'd probably go to Egypt and I'd probably just ride and see my family. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'd probably stay there for... Well, yeah, I mean, the snap of a finger thing, yeah, that would help. But, yeah, that's probably what I'd do. I'd probably just take my family and go see the rest of my family in Egypt. And All right. Just, like, ride a bike around for a little while, eat some pizza, and then die. What's next? What do you... So, like, anything in the future, whether it's with Spindle or anything else that you may want to do, you can interpret it however you choose. Well, I'm just focused on tomorrow now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what's going to go on in the next five or ten years. I, I just think that whatever I'm doing now is just going to set me up for that. Okay. And I can't really worry about it. I mean, I, I used to do that a long time ago, but it's not really any way to live because it's not even happening. Mm -hmm. And then the past is yesterday, so that shit don't matter either. But I think it's nice to just kind of think of about where you are and appreciate that you get to wake up in the morning and, you know, for me, it's like, I'm really thankful that I get to wake up next to a cool wife and I have cool kids and I get to go to a cool job. Um, and I think with learning what I have over in my 20s and 30s is, um, is just, just to be happy with where you are and, you know, what lessons that you've learned and stuff like that. That's what, I mean thing is, as I could say that I would have preferred to go right out of college and do whatever, find like none of the jobs that I took after college, I needed college for. I could have gone right out of high school and learned. My two takeaways from my conversation with Ez were one, Keep looking for jobs while you have a job until you find what you like. Two, working in restaurants and starting your own business gives you a good foundation for dealing with different personalities. 